Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Tom Opperman and Jacob Brecht with you on, I'm going to say it, Jacob, the first regular season edition of the Steelers Standard. Boom, baby. It's week one. We are going to Buffalo on Sunday, Steelers Nation, to take on the Buffalo Bills. We have got a lot to get into regarding that game on these next couple of episodes. But first... We got to deal with some drama that's going on in Pittsburgh with your Pittsburgh Steelers. TJ Watt, the man of the offseason for Pittsburgh. Will he or won't he sign that contract has been the topic for the past several months. Sat out all of training camps, has not practiced at all in the preseason. Has been on the sidelines doing individual workouts while that contract gets worked out. It was reported by Jerry Dulac that the team and TJ were close and that a deal would be done after the Carolina Panthers preseason finale. That came and went. No deal was made. Kind of floated around in purgatory for the past week. And then Aditi, Jerry, other people come out yesterday and said, these two sides aren't as close as we once thought. And it seemed like the major hangup is the guaranteed money. And it's funny, just a little transparency. On our last episode we did, Jacob, of The Standard, before taking a little Labor Day break, we saw on NFL Network a little bug pop up and Aditi did a hit and it was like a 10 seconds of this on the screen where it said TJ Watt will not sign and will be a free agent next year. We kind of like held our breaths and looked at each other, but then we decided to mention it. And then afterwards, throughout that whole day, nothing was being said about that on Twitter. There were no follow-up reports and we were looking at each other like, did we screw something up? Like, is he going to sign and we're going to look like we have egg on our face? Well, We're back here after the holiday, and things look like they aren't as close as we once have thought. Uh, It's very upsetting. Not that I don't think a long-term deal still can't get done, and I'm not so upset that it probably won't be done now heading into the season, if I were to guess. I think it's just upsetting that he's still not practicing because he is under a contract. He still has one year left to serve, and now's the week where you step up and and you, you get on that practice field before the Buffalo game. Yeah, so just to keep in mind, today is Wednesday. It's it's 8 o'clock in the morning. Yesterday, Tomlin had his first regular season press conference, and in it, he mentioned that he expects TJ to report to practice to, later today on Wednesday afternoon and that TJ will play in Buffalo on Sunday. Now, it's again, it's, it's early Wednesday morning. We do not know if he's actually going to be there later today, but – People have said, Marco Bali said it on Twitter, in his opinion, Tomlin wouldn't have said he expects TJ to report today and on Sunday if he didn't firmly believe it. And I think that's a good sign because Tomlin is not one to mince words. He's not one. Of course, he can be vague at times, but when he explicitly says, I expect TJ to be there today and Sunday, usually Tomlin isn't someone to lead astray the media. And I'll go one step further. Even if he has a really good feeling about it, I don't know if he would even say something like that if he hadn't talked to TJ, if he hasn't had an open Mm -hmm. conversation with him and TJ has said, you know what, let's go with Wednesday. Or he's just like, you know what, I'm going to take the first couple days off again this week and then we'll ramp things up before the Bills game. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some dialogue between Tomlin and TJ there that's letting him, you know, give that kind of hint to the media 
to the fans. Yeah, he'll be back in practice later on today, and we'll start ramping things up for the Buffalo game. As far as the contract is concerned, though, I think the big hang-up, we mentioned this on an episode we did earlier this week when we were kind of speculating. Now it kind of is is more confirmed through sources. That guaranteed money seems to be the biggest thing between the two sides that they can't reach an agreement on. Steelers do not give a lot of guaranteed money up front on these contracts. The most they've ever given and guaranteed at one time at the beginning of a contract is to their best quarterback of all time in franchise history, Ben Roethlisberger, when he signed about, uh, I think he got about $34 million guaranteed up front. Just not their nature. TJ's been reported to want about $100 million. And this is very, very tough to have, you know, young guys understand, maybe not, you know, familiar with the, the rich history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But one thing that, you know, Several guests have said on the Mark Madden show recently, I've heard other people say it on on this station, the Steelers are probably the team in the NFL that operates under the most good faith with their players than any other team in the league. They always pay out contracts, even if, you know, you kind of underperform your contract and, you know, they gave a little bit more money than it ended up being they should have. They still, for the most part, pay those contracts out. And just because you don't get that lump sum of guaranteed money up front, it, it is guaranteed. The language might not say that in the contract, but this organization, Ben Roethlisberger hasn't left a nickel on the table, except for, of course, this year when he did it himself to take the pay cut. Cam Hayward, no nickel has been left on the table right. there. When Shazier had his career ended, they still finished off and paid off his rookie contract for him. This is an organization that operates in good faith. You didn't see Le'Veon Bell really understand that in the past. And now I worry that you might not see T.J. Watt understanding that right now. I, I, one thing that Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News brought up that I thought was a great point. Either you want to be a stealer if you're T.J. Watt, and if you do, you understand how they operate, and just because you won't say, oh, I got $100 million guaranteed up front, you're still going to get $100 million throughout that contract no matter what. Even if you get hurt, if you start to decline, they'll probably pay that out for you. I would make a good bet. Or... TJ and his agent want a nice tweet. They want NFL Network to say, $100 million guaranteed, most ever by a defensive player, highest paid defensive player ever, X amount of dollars, X amount of years. The whole NFL world celebrates for a day. What a contract. I have a feeling it... it I think it's the latter. I have a feeling it's not because you I think... You think it's TJ wants to be a stealer. I think TJ is smart enough to know that that tweet will be legitimate for about a year, if that. Until Chase Young is up. Exactly. I mean, it won't. It won't take long. No, it's so, always the next guy. But I don't. I don't think TJ has an ego to the point where he wants that national attention or that national recognition. I think TJ is smart enough. A lot in a lot in part due to older brother JJ to know that those highest paid players or most guaranteed money, those headlines last for such a short time. Not just in in all sports. I mean. We see it a lot in baseball with guaranteed money, right? Because that's the only league that has that. I mean, these guys, I think, are just playing for the money, not so much for the headlines. So I, I think it. I, I hope it's not the latter because I think that would be very short-sighted of him. If a deal gets done before the season starts on Sunday, you know, you've heard so many people report. You know, there's been midnight deals done in the past for the Steelers. You know, getting guys signed a day, two days before the game. Uh, Jerry even brought up the one circumstance in the past where the Steelers went into the season to negotiate a contract, and there's been talk that they might do that here with TJ. 
keep a dialogue going even after the season starts. I think that's probably the Steelers trying mm-hmm. to get him back on the field, but they still might uh, negotiate in the season. I think what happens if he does sign it, whether it be before this year and next offseason, the Steelers will set a record for the most guaranteed money that they'll mm-hmm. give somebody, but I don't think it'll be $100 million. I think it'll be more like $50, $60 million guaranteed up front. Which is nowhere near what TJ That's not what he for. wants, but... Sixty million up front guaranteed with the knowledge that you're probably gonna see a hundred million dollars. Like there there's So what's he, more he, important to TJ? The hundred mil or the guaranteed? I think it's the guarantee. And I think that's what So do you think if the hundred mil is offered it won't even matter if it's not guaranteed? No, I think it needs to be guaranteed. In but his, I'm, I'm, in say, his I'm mind. saying I, I think that's what even the if you is. get that money, if you get that offer. Do you think TJ is going to say no because it's not guaranteed? That's what I'm worried about. Mm-hmm. Is that is there no middle ground here that he's willing to reach, or you know what? It's probably more appropriate for his to say his agent is willing to reach that middle ground than I think the Steelers are are willing to uh, meet that. Do TJ and JJ have the same agent? I don't know that. I, I'm sure it wouldn't surprise me. They all have those super agents. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a Rosenhaus, to be honest with you, right. but. Regardless of who the agent is, I do think that TJ, he wants that 100 million guarantee. They want that 100 million guarantee in his camp, and it's very clear that they're not budging off of that because I just have to assume the Steelers have approached him with different amounts of guaranteed money throughout this process, and they've just been told no every single time, or else you would have seen that contract signed against Carolina. I got to wonder if, you know, that was maybe the Steelers putting out a statement saying he's going to sign after Carolina, put a little pressure on him, you know, make him feel the heat a little bit. Steelers Nation is now excited that you're going to sign, and then when you don't sign, they make, oh, you look like the bad guy. Contract negotiations are always ugly between players and teams. I mean, this isn't even as ugly as it can be. It's just not a very fun circumstance to go through. The business side of the league can be very, very ugly, and, you know, you just are so happy when these things can be done and put behind you. So that's why part of me is like, come on, just pony up the dough, make this thing go away. But I also get where the Steelers are coming from. You got to, they, they, they run their team and their salary cap and their salary is better than almost anybody in the NFL. And they're incredible at managing their money. So I got to trust them as far as that aspect is concerned too. You know, it's real tough. You're stuck between that rock and a hard place. He's so important TJ Watt to this team's success but at the same time, you, you got to put team first over any individual player if you're a fan. Especially the team you can put first is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, it's you not know, like the Browns. So you know is going to take care of you. As you said, even if it's not guaranteed money, you're still going to see that money paid out to you over the course of the rest of your time spent playing football. Whether or not it's spent time, whether or not that time is spent playing as a Steeler or not. So it just it's kind of questionable to me that he knows the franchise he's playing for is a loyal franchise. Why is he not reciprocating that loyalty to them? Getting to what the Steelers would miss if TJ were not on the field on Sunday against the Bills, I think he's going to play. I, I, I hold out hope that Tomlin was right and that he'll practice later today and they'll start ramping him up to speed for the Buffalo game. Obviously, he's a starter, so he's going to start no matter what, even if he didn't practice and just went to the walkthrough on Saturday, I bet that they would put him out there as a starter. But I think that there's a legitimate worry about not his conditioning as far as, you know, he's been staying in good shape, working out individually on the sidelines, working out like a madman all off season. 
but his conditioning as far as football shape, getting hit, you know, taking, you know, those shots from tackles all game long and still being able to turn it up in the fourth quarter. I mean, one of the criticisms and things that people want TJ to improve is his ability to stay on the field later in games uh, on crucial situations in the fourth quarter. And I just wonder if that is going to be hindered in this week one matchup, even if he were to come back today on Wednesday, get three days of practice and a walkthrough under his belt. I'd have to imagine that it won't be until week two, week three that you see TJ really clicking at that 100% rate and, and really being a beast. I'm not saying you won't get a sack on Sunday because he's great. And he, I mean, one play, he can absolutely tear it up, but I just think, you won't see him out there as much as you want just because it's just such a short turnaround from when he's coming back to practice to the first game of the year. Yeah, uh, Tom and address that as well, but I think if there I think if there's anyone that can kind of go without any preseason snaps or any training camp drills run and come back in in week 1 and not necessarily have a career game but have a game where you're saying to yourself, "Oh, that's a typical performance." without any of the flashy stats like sacks or turnovers or anything like that. That's a typical performance by that guy. I think T.J. Watt can do that. I think T.J. Watt, if he doesn't get a sack, he can still help disrupt pockets and maybe make life easier for Cam Hayward and, and Stephon Tewitt up front. Sorry, not Stephon Tewitt, uh, Tyson Alawalu. And maybe, I guess in turn, make life easier for Chris Wormley, uh, depending on how much time he he's out there for and and Alex Highsmith playing opposite of TJ maybe because TJ is so bogged down by the coverage that'll be presented on him Alex Highsmith will be left left open to get to the quarterback and yeah maybe he won't have a sack or two and and no turnovers but you will still see TJ Watt kind of getting to the quarterback because TJ has this explosive speed that is I think his bread and butter that that's kind of what he's known for not just disrupting pockets or getting to the quarterback but his speed off the snap of the ball is something that everyone is able to recognize is is tops in the game and maybe it won't be as quick as you've seen in the past but I think even by week 2 it shouldn't be an issue. I think if he does, if he does, as Tomlin predicts, reports of practice today and, and starts on Sunday, you may not see a great game by him on Sunday, but you could damn well sure assure yourself that in week two against the Vegas Raiders, that I mean that that team is just ripe for the picking when it comes to sacks. And I think TJ Watt could have a big day that game. And it honestly wouldn't shock me, Tom, if he does come out in week one against Buffalo and, and has a good enough day, has a sack, and, and has a couple of quarterback hits. It would not shock me if TJ Watt is capable of doing that. Uh, the Steelers th- certainly hope you're right, Jacob, because we'll, we'll get to Buffalo more in depth uh, in a later episode here. But uh, the one thing that this defense has to do well is get pressure on Josh Allen. You can't let Allen sit back there and pick you apart, and you, you definitely can't let him escape the pocket. The Bills' offensive line is is average, maybe a slightly above-average offensive line, but the reason why they only surrendered the ninth, um, the ninth, the they were number nine in sacks allowed last season, is a combination of the line being okay, but also Josh Allen is just so elusive. Probably the, the second or third yeah. most elusive quarterback in this league. Even if you know the pocket collapses on him, he's not like a traditional pocket passer where, okay, I need to find a new pocket and kind of reset myself. He's just taken off and running for 10 to 15 yards. So you almost have to spy him. A really hard guy to sack, but that's really the best way to go about it. You want to make him uncomfortable. 
You want to make him have to read blitzes coming and know where to go with the ball. That's something that in his young career he's still not the best at. And ball security is probably his biggest weakness. He has the second most fumbles in the past three years other than Carson Wentz. So TJ Watt, you know, you love punching the ball out. You uh, had that reputation for yourself in 2019 when you had seven forced fumbles. I know you took a little bit of a step back last year in that category, but I still believe you are capable of, you know, forcing a ton of fumbles throughout the season. And, you know, you're not going to get Josh Allen to turn the ball over much through the air. He's been proven to be incredibly effective at protecting that football last year, 69% completion percentage. But you can get him to fumble the ball when he's running or in that pocket, and that's the biggest key for that Steelers defense. So T.J. Watt is so crucial, obviously, for every game this year, but really especially for Buffalo because, I mean, the game plan is just you have to, have to, have to get pressure on on Allen. You cannot give him two, three seconds to let Diggs run 15 to 20 yards down the field and burn you almost every time. So pressure on Allen's huge, and and Watt's obviously the most elite stealer as far as getting pressure is concerned and maybe the most elite NFL player as far as getting pressure is concerned. I'd say he's, if not one, definitely two behind. He's no worse than two. No, he's, he, his floor is two for sure. And I think that helps you a lot though, if you're the Steelers, because if he does come out there week one, if it's, if it's known before Sunday that he'll be out there week for week one, Buffalo's game plan is going to be, and their and their film study is going to be all on T.J. Watt, and I like I said earlier, I think that can make life a lot easier for the guys playing around him and on the front seven, depending on what that combination is. Because we had said before that why put out uh, Chris Wormley out there if you can swing Melvin Ingram on the outside and just put his hand in the dirt, and that way you have your best eleven guys out there, especially your best front seven. I think if it's known that T.J. Watt will be playing week one before Sunday afternoon or or early Sunday afternoon, I think that could be very advantageous to for the Steelers because this Buffalo team has not seen, I think, in the past three years, the front seven that could be out there. Granted, Stefan Tuma won't be out there, but I think the rest of the cast is so solid you know, last year Robert Spillane was out there. Vince Williams was out there. I, I think at that point Avery Williamson was on the team, so you weren't even seeing uh, Vince Williams. Now the two inside linebackers are vastly improved. Now it's Joe Schobert, Bud Dupree. I really think that this team is a lot better on paper. As we've said so many times before, this paper on this team on paper is much better at defense than it was a year ago, despite the talent that it had last year on defense. And I do think life will be made, life will be most easy for you if you're the Steelers. If, yeah, if you can contain Josh Allen and, and kind of negate the deep threat in Stefan Diggs. Because if, if Diggs runs wild, I think that means your cornerbacks are going to be exposed and Minka Fitzpatrick isn't really being uh, utilized or he's not being effective enough. And then we, we know they have basically no running game whatsoever so if they're beating you through the air that means they're going to be beating you on the scoreboard I, I believe yeah and you know I think you know yeah I agree Steelers defense probably a slight improvement on paper than it was last year but the secondary is still something that I'm kind of holding my breath on uh, there's a lot of faith being placed by the Steelers in guys in house and then also of course going out and getting a Kello Witherspoon to help short up the depth there 
in the secondary. Mink is a stud, one of the best safeties, if not the best safety in football. So he definitely will have his handful helping out on Diggs, helping out on Beasley, helping out on Sanders, on Gabe Davis. It's a great receiving core. Mm. He's going to have a, a lot on his plate. And the best way to you know help him out as he's helping all of the members of the secondary out is to get that pressure on Allen. Don't let the routes develop. You know, Make Allen's life a living hell. You know, he's got to get that ball out in 1.5 seconds before TJ, Melvin, Highsmith, Hayward are, are in his kitchen. That's that's the biggest key for the Steelers in, in this game. And, and Watt, of course, is the, the straw that stirs that pass rushing drink. Um, before we wrap things up on this episode, good morning football. Of course, they were talking about TJ Watt today because that's that's the topic. I mean, mm. he, they talk about the Steelers nationally almost all the time anyway, but especially when the best player or second best player on the team is not practicing. That's going to be some national fodder. The question that they were posing, though, was, is TJ Watt the most important piece for a Steelers playoff appearance this year? And it does kind of make sense because best player on the defense that, you know, the team's identity is defensive football, top five defensive unit in the NFL without question. I I can put a rubber stamp on that right now, and as long as injuries don't happen, I know they'll achieve that by the end of the season this year. But I don't agree with that. I do not. The, a lot of the panelists said that he is. I don't think he's the most important. I still think that's number seven, Ben Roethlisberger. I think, you know, if T.J. Watt, let's just say in a terrible, terrible, nightmarish fantasy, T.J. Watt were to get hurt in week four this year, I think you can still scrape by. Obviously, it won't be as elite of a defense and as elite of a pass rush, but you're still going to be able to generate a pass rush. You've got talented players still on that field. And I still think it's an above average defense without him. Whereas if you pulled the plug on Ben and you had to go with Mason or if it's long term and you like the idea of going with Haskins, I think you can stay afloat maybe, but there's just no chance in hell once you reach that murderer's row stretch at the end of the season that a Mason or a Haskins can navigate you through that and probably get you into the playoffs. So I understand what Good Morning Football is saying. Defensively, he is absolutely the most important piece for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but as an overall team most important piece for them to have uh, a playoff appearance this year. It's still number seven in my mind. It has to be. Uh, there's no way that you can make the argument otherwise. I understand where they're coming from because as people have said nationally and as we have said multiple times on the show, T.J. Watt's probably the second best defensive player, if not the best defensive player in all of football. However, one guy on defense I don't think could ever compare to in to can, can, can compare in terms of impact to a guy like a quarterback, especially when it's Ben Roethlisberger, who we saw how much this team struggled without him just two years ago. And as he's getting older, there's more and more concern of, of his ability to stay healthy. And like you said, Tom, if it does, if it does come to Mason Rudolph's time to step up because Ben has to, Take a step, take a step back from the game because of an injury, or just the looming age. Playing it at 39 years old is no easy task. Not everyone can do it, like Tom Brady. If it's Mason Rudolph at quarterback, I really don't have the confidence in Mason to kind of lead this team the way Ben can lead this team. And that's something that we saw in the preseason when the big headline for this team was who's going to get the number two spot behind Ben Mason or Dwayne Haskins, and we saw them both have decent performances. And And when Dwayne Haskins went out there against Carolina, he severely disappointed all of us, and especially Mike Tomlin. You, you heard that 
prominently in in his comments in that in that post game press conference. But when Ben was out there against Detroit, everyone said on his three on his three drives, converting two of them for touchdowns and having a perfect pass rating, that is what a starting quarterback is supposed to look like. I don't want to say like, oh, but he had all the starters out there with him. He had the O line and he had all the receivers and the running backs. It was still Ben who was navigating that offense and leading that charge. That's what a starting quarterback is supposed to look like. When you put Ben up against the tape of of Haskins and Rudolph, it is night and day. I mean, if if Ben doesn't go down in 2019, the sky's the limit for that team, uh, for those Steelers two years ago. There was no elbow injury for him to have dealt with at that point. I think that team really does well. I think that team makes a little bit of a playoff run, certainly a playoff appearance, considering they just missed it by a couple of games, if not one game, I believe. I think they had to wait for the Baltimore game. Or, yeah, or, Baker or, would have beaten the Ravens, the Steelers. No, because I think they played the Ravens in the finale, so they were yeah. waiting for someone else. The no, Steelers yeah. played the Ravens in the finale. No, Baker played the Ravens. Or that was two. That was in 2018. That was 2018. I don't know what happened in 2019, but they were still watching film of another team of another game. To I think see that one was even more far fetched than the, the year before. It was. Yeah. It was. I think they had to have a little bit more than just one game go their way, but it didn't happen. But they were still by week 17 They're hanging on for They're a playoff yeah. spot, and that was with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. If Ben Roethlisberger stays healthy for that whole They're year, in, uh, yeah, they in. They're in for sure. I mean that team had prospects of maybe going to a Super Bowl that year at the beginning, yeah, at the beginning of so. the season. I believe so. Even though they they lost that first game against New England in a blowout, yeah, but that but was yeah, that was, that was a ring yeah, ceremony exactly. game for them. It's it's hard to go on the road and do that, um, but I do think that yeah, he's the most important player. He's I mean, the most important no player. I mean, I I love T.J. Watt. I, I I hope he remains a Steeler for the rest of his of course, career. Of course, of course. I want that to happen. I want this contract to get done. I want to stop talking about it because it's it's really kind of infuriating at That's this point. That's the main thing is that yeah. you just want to be done with it because right. I mean, you want to move on and just talk about what he can do for you this year. Yeah, it's real now. Like we uh-huh. don't need this. Like in the off season, this is like oh manna from heaven. Give me as much drama as possible right. so Click I can bait, talk yeah. about this on my show. But now it's like past all that stuff. You we have a season to we discuss. We have stuff to talk about. Yeah. There's an NFL game being played tomorrow between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. I, mean, I can't believe that. It's we here. got week one. It tomorrow is here. Night. But it stinks because you have to, you have to talk about this because uh, the people that are out there that are like, this is no big deal. Like just just why do you care so much? Just talk about the Bills game and then the, when the contract signed, the contract signed. I wish it could be as easy as that. And I admire your fandom for being so optimistic and looking at it like that. Me though, personally, this scares the hell out of me because despite the fact I still very strongly believe TJ will play in this Buffalo Bills game, now there is that air of doubt in the back of your head that, mm-hmm. well, maybe he doesn't dress. And then all of a sudden you're down TJ Watt and you're down Steph to it for this game. Does that sound familiar to you? It does mm-hmm. to me when Devin Bush and Bud Dupree were out last year. Those were two incredibly impact players on that defensive side of the ball, and the defense got much worse once both of them were out. So now I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, it's very, very unlikely that this happens, but there is this prospect that you don't have Watt and you don't have to it for the Bills game. Those are two very important impact players. The two lead team leaders in sacks last year for your team, now not on the field when you need to get pressure on Allen and you need to sack Allen. So I, I get a little nervous there. I have a little bit of bated breath as far as, you know, this is concerned. I just I think people don't seem to get that. They're really optimistic about this. And I, I'm sure they're gonna be right. 
and I hope they are right for them. I hope so too. But we all do. There is this little, you know, as we get closer and closer. I mean, the Sunday after the Panthers game when he didn't sign, I was kind of like, well, what's going on here? And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that whole week passes, and it's like, well, what's going on here? And then now you hear these reports yesterday and Tom went at the press conference, and it's like, it's freaking Wednesday now. Like, now is the time when you hit the panic button. I We've think. only got a couple practices less be- left before they go to if Buffalo. If he does not practice today, I am hitting the panic button 100%. I completely agree. If it, I wasn't concerned about it, you know, Monday, t- I mean, they were off Monday. A little but- bit Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. But today, if, it, if it comes Wednesday. And it, especially after Tomlin said he's practicing, folks, it's time to hit that panic button. That's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. When we come back, we're going to kick off a Wednesday feature we have on the show. It's Wednesday power rankings with Tom and Jacob around the NFL. And we'll also probably kick around that Thursday night football game as well. A little preview of that for Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Opperman. Thanks for listening to the Steelers standard. And thanks as always for listening to Steelers nation radio.